Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Archivist with Attitude podcast, and I am your host, the Archivist with Attitude, Joseph Shea. This episode today, we're going to cover a lot of ground. Um, I'm about two weeks behind. I usually try to do this once a week, but we are on week two. So to begin, I'd like to uh, bring you up to speed on a local level here with uh, the goings-on in the Aberdeen School District and the um, layoffs and uh, rifts that are going on there and and kind of tie that in actually a little bit with the Hoquiam School District. So as we last spoke, a quarter of the Aberdeen School District's teaching staff had been uh, mostly non-renewed and some of them rift. And as of the last time I spoke with some folks from the school district, they are still looking to cut the uh, paraeducator staff and the cooks, et cetera, et cetera. And last numbers I heard for that were of the 160 uh, paraeducator staff, they were looking to cut 120 of them. Those cuts have not been made yet. The decision is, I'm under the impression it should be sometime this week or in the next coming couple of weeks here. Uh, needless to say, it's it's not good. And we are all, um, all of us that are involved in this are still very frustrated. But I, I have to commend um, teachers in the district. I've been talking with many of them and have seen many of them. They're out doing their work still. They're doing their jobs. They're doing what they can to keep their students engaged during this rough time and they're they're finishing the year out strong and I want to commend them. To give you an idea, um, I, as I mentioned Hoquiam and I wanted to do that because Hoquiam was in a similar position but they only rift, I believe it was 18 teachers and of those 18, they hired 16 of them back. So there's some serious discrepancy going on here and there are a whole lot of people in the community trying to get to the bottom of this. And, and for those that are working for progress on this, thank you. And for the teachers and the para staff and those that are working their butts off to finish this year out strong and to keep kids and parents engaged during this whole COVID crisis and everything else. Thank you. You guys are awesome. So quickly, let's, uh, Let's go to our cop and attitude segment, and, and since I mentioned COVID, that's where I want to go with this. And I this is, again, my opinion portion of this episode, and, and I'm just going to vent some frustrations. And this COVID thing, I think, is driving everybody a little bit crazy. Everybody wants it done. Everybody wants to be able to go back and and see people again and not social distance and be back to normal and, and I respect that and I understand that. But what's frustrating to me is still the amount of misinformation out there and the amount of people that I see I was on um, Facebook yesterday and was reading a back and forth conversation between some local folks here, one of whom was a doctor, another one was just an everyday citizen. And I'm watching this reading this everyday citizen telling a doctor, a doctor of medicine, 
who has been working with COVID cases and doing research and talking to other colleagues who are experts in the field and telling this per the, the, this average person telling this doctor essentially that they did not know what they were talking about in addressing COVID and that, Oh, deaths are low and that young kids aren't getting it. And da, da, da. And the doctor basically said, no, you're wrong. Young kids are getting it. And death tolls are not the numbers to be concerned with. Yes, they're important. But the fact of the matter is, is people that are surviving COVID-19 are having serious complications after the fact. And while, yes, in some areas like Grace Harbor and other more rural areas, you're seeing little to no cases, uh, little to no deaths, that does not account for the fact that in major cities, you're seeing huge devastation. I've seen news reports and video of freezer trucks and cold storage trucks that you'd use to carry produce and ice cream, et cetera, et cetera, that are pulled up outside of hospitals in New York so they can store bodies because they can't bury them or cremate them fast enough. This is no joke, folks. It's no joke. And the sooner we can be responsible and take care of each other, the sooner we'll get this thing pushed back and hopefully get it under under control. So be responsible. Stay home. Write it out. Pick up a phone and call people. Talk to people over the phone if you need that human interaction, that human contact. Or, you know, if you've got friends and family who you know are safe, set up social distance events where you are maintaining your social distancing, but you're, you know, you are getting to see each other and you are getting to talk to each other. If you don't follow what they're saying to do and follow the guidelines, this is going to last a lot longer and be a whole lot more devastating. And that's just simply how it is. And, and living out here on the coast of Washington and living in the Grays Harbor area, which is, you know, we've got Westport and Ocean Shores, two big tourist destinations in our area. I'd like to say to the folks in Seattle and King County and counties above us, you know, yeah, we're in phase two. We applied to get early access into, into the second phase of this because we have low cases. Please, would you all stay home <laughs> until this tapers down a little bit because you are living in areas where it's not looking like you're going to get into the later phases until you all social distance and stay home and quite frankly don't bring that risk down here we don't need it nobody does think for think of others instead of yourselves and really that's all i didn't want to say about that is just think about the greater good we need to take a step back out of this insane individualism that that people in this country have developed over the last 30 or 40 years and concentrate on the greater good if to me I, i've said this to a couple of different people lately had i been president in the united states when all of this had happened i'd have taken a pause looked at the history books and figured out the best w when wartime has happened or when a serious crisis has happened what steps were taken that worked and to me what seemed to work is old world war ii rationing methods so when the virus hit, number one, I would have kept a pandemic response team handy instead of firing them. Number two, you what you do is you say, okay, here's the deal. We got this thing coming in. We got this virus coming in. Nobody knows anything about it. And all we know is it's spreading from 
travel from Asia and from other countries. So here's the deal. We shut the borders down. We shut the airports down. Everybody stays home. The country, which a lot of European countries are doing this right now, but the United States said, okay, let's take on more debt. If we have to, um, hopefully we would have had a surplus going into this, but since we didn't, you know, you take on whatever you got to take on financially and you pay employers to pay their employees wages and keep them home and you boost up social programs so that people that are on those social programs can stay home. And then you send out a letter assuring the people we've got this under control. Our best scientists are on this. We're studying it. We're trying to figure it out. We're going to keep you all safe. So you've got your borders shut down, your airlines shut down. You restrict travel inter-county even if you have to. And you say, everybody stay home. Then what you do is with this letter that's reassuring people that you're studying it, and you've got your best teams of scientists on it, which you should be having do. You, you send scientists out, you start studying it, you put the best medical minds in the country on it and figure it out. Within that letter, you say there will be a number assigned to you. That number will be number one through seven. And that number will be associated with a day of the week. One being Monday, seven being Sunday. That will be the day of the week that you get to go out and do your grocery shopping, get your gas, etc., etc. And then after that, you go home. And if you are caught out doing either of those things that are on, on a day that is not assigned to you, you will be fined or jailed. This is stuff the United States has done in its past. It's a little extreme, granted, but you know what? If it means us getting through this faster, theoretically, if everybody was staying home and done what they were supposed to do, and we had that kind of response from our federal government, we may very well have been on top of this within a month or two. Because you, you figure out how many cases you've got, you isolate them, you get them through the virus, you start figuring out what the virus does, you isolate and study and find out and figure out. You don't keep going on as if nothing's happening and get more and more people sick. Slow response equals death, plain and simple. All right, now, that is done. I'm done copying an attitude. For the final piece today... What I'd like to do is is I'd like to look at and address from a historical perspective the riots and the protests going on nationwide now, but that started in Minneapolis over the death of the, and I'm sorry off the top of my head, I don't have his name, but the black gentleman who was killed by police officers in Minneapolis through excessive force. Now, I need to make something explicitly clear before I try to discuss this. For the record, I am a 30, almost 35-year-old white male uh, who lives in, you know, rural United States in no way, shape, or form do I have or can I speak to what it's like to live and be an African-American in this country or for that matter to be any other race in this country? I cannot empathize. I cannot, I, I, I cannot speak to it. I, I cannot have an opinion on it. 
But what I can do is I can read and research and understand or and do my best to understand causes of racism in this country and and protest and fight to help stamp it out and to give my support and love and appreciation to those of of all races who are fighting for equality. And what I can do also is something that uh, w- it was the impetus for this whole podcast is to look at histor- or look at current events with an eye to history and and hopefully get some idea of causation and and exactly why things are where they are and what has led to this point and and again you know i i can't speak to to black people i can't speak for black people but what i can do is give some historical factual information to maybe get people to think about the fact that as painful as this is and I, and I don't condone the riots I don't condone the violence but I don't condone the violence either way I don't condone the violence of of whites on blacks or blacks on whites I'm I want peace and I want understanding and I want love amongst everybody however what I can say is that what we're seeing is nothing new and it goes back to the very foundations of the United States. The United States is a country built on the back of slaves, of black people who were enslaved by Europeans and European settlers in this country. And I want to give a little historical perspective here. When the United States was being settled in the 1700s, before before well 15 you know 1492 columbus discovered america but from that point through settlement of the united states as settlers were coming here from france england spain etc they were coming here and slaves were being used as a uh, as a tool god this is I don't know how to even say this right. They were slaves were used and were mistreated and they were used as an economic tool. And th- that's not right. And I don't know how to say, it. I mean, you're basically, you've got people who were enslaved, who were brought to the United States, even before it was the United States against their will to work in fields and be treated less than human, be treated less than even cattle. And that went up into, you're talking 1776 when Declaration of Independence was signed. Still slaves. You know, everybody knows Civil War, 1865. That was the whole reason for the Civil War was was slavery and the idea that the North did not believe that the South should have slaves and that it should be done. And here's the thing thing folks is that that when slavery ended racism didn't end the view of blacks as as black people as being an inferior race and an inferior species even did not end and it's sick and it's wrong and it was wrong then and it's wrong now 
as a historical fact, let's let's look at something here. So when World's Fairs were happening, and this racism is not, is not just a United States thing. It's a global thing. I mean, slaves were had in European countries at the same time that the United States had slaves. Europe's a couple of, or several decades ahead of the United States in when slavery was abolished and when, um, when a history kind of changed for them and when they started, when European countries started doing the right thing in terms of treatment of black people. However, when you go back in history, you look at world's fairs, this is, it's actually very, it's poignant and, and fascinating. So if you go and look at world's fairs in the, you know, the, early 1900s late 1800s early 1900s they used to have exhibits at world's fair where they would take people from various cultures and they put them on essentially a a lineup of inferior to superior species in those lineups this is the superior species was always the white anglo european man then it just went down in inferiority. Asians, um, his, Hispanics, da, da, da. Black people were always, black people and Africans were always on the bottom of those lists. This is wrong. It's, I'm not saying this is right. I'm just saying as a historical fact, this is something they did. They, and then it became at the time considered, this was scientific fact. We view this as a scientific reality that 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 any race other than white anglo caucasian is inferior and blacks were the most inferior and it became a science it became accepted globally that this was a scientific fact as fucked up as that is this was considered that and for years it was that way. I mean, you can look at world's fairs even into the 1930s and forties and see these same exhibits. It's screwed up. It's totally screwed up. And then, so as an example of, of how historically current these kind of things are, I mean, race riots, you think about the 80, 1980s in Watts and, and the you know, 1960s. So uh, in terms of just having rights in the United States for black people, okay, 1865, the Civil War ends. Um, slavery is, quote unquote, abolished, which didn't change anything really when you start looking at historical reconstruction. What were slave codes became what they call black codes. So the same systemic racism and systemic oppression of blacks continued after the civil war. It's the same, same laws, just different names. You look at Jim Crow and that's about what the time of Jim Crow starts is 1865 and through the 1920s. Okay. 1865 slavery is abolished. African Americans, blacks are still treated like second class and inferior individuals. Blacks in this country did not have a vote. They were not able to vote in elections until 1965. 
100 years after the abolition of slavery is the first time that the United States was able, or the United States made it law that African Americans could vote. Think about that for a minute. 100 years after you are no longer a slave, after this group of people is, is, is no longer enslaved and forced to work in abhorrent conditions, subject to physical abuse, violence, rape, murder, because they were considered less than human. It took 100 years to get the right to vote. Then, this is 1965, so you think about that in terms of where we're at, 2020. 55 years ago is all it was that black people had the right to vote in this country. So, what that means is there are black men and women alive today who were of voting age before 1965 that could not vote. This is not new. These This oppression is not new. The violence is not new. It hasn't changed because the mentality hasn't changed. There are still people who view blacks as inferior. And they're not. They're human beings. Just like everybody else. And it's beyond frustrating to see this and again i can't speak to what it's like to be black in this country i don't know i couldn't know but what i can say is is it makes me sad and it makes me sick that human beings could treat another human being this way and it goes from there and it's it's more than just systemic his in history there in many, many cities, there were laws on the books and there were areas that were gerrymandered in such a way that they were made so that black people couldn't buy homes in, in urban areas and in, in certain developments that was, there are, it's in the books, it's in history. There were, I mean, you look at the military desegregation of the military didn't happen until world war ii this is wrong it's simply wrong treating another human being this way is wrong blacks are not inferior nobody is inferior to anybody else we are all human beings we all are in this together and to what's going on in Minneapolis and around the country. I don't condone it. I don't condone violence either way, like I said. But the fact is, is this should be a wake-up call for us. This should be a wake-up call for everybody in this country that we can do better, that we can treat each other with respect, and we can treat each other as equals and as human beings and it's time for a radical shift to how we treat each other and how we view each other because if we can't get there we're all doomed quite frankly 
we all need to learn to live each or to live with each other, respect each other, and respect and embrace our differences. Don't hate because of the color of somebody's skin. Don't hate because somebody's culture is different than yours. Figure out why. Talk to people. Understand why they do the things they do. Understand why they are the way they are. And it's and it's crazy to me because, again, I see people going, well, why is this? This shouldn't be happening now. It's 2020. The fact of the matter is, folks, is that we've had over 200 years of systemic racism in this country. It hasn't gone away. It hasn't been overcome because there's still people that believe that blacks are inferior. The Ku, the Ku, uh, Ku Klux Klan is not dead. It's just went underground until recent politicians started allowing folks at their rallies with Confederate flags and racist symbols and you're and you're seeing a rise of this what we thought was fringe, what 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 the country thought was buried. That it was, oh, there's just a few people that believe in this neo-Nazi clan stuff. Sorry, guys. It wasn't just a few. And they weren't just on the fringes. They were there. It's just the mainstream didn't address them until certain politicians started not denouncing this. And in fact, in ways, embraced it because that's who's getting them elected. Fact is, you know, when you look at national politics and you see people at a rally for a presidential candidate and they're carrying Nazi flags and swastikas and Confederate flags, racism in this country isn't dead. It never has been. It can be. I'm not going to say, oh, it never has been, never will be. No, it can be. We can do better. And... I would hope for peace in Minneapolis and around the country and around the world. We can do better. And I, my wife sent me a really interesting article on this. And it was an article written by a, a black person to their white friends. And they were in it addressed, you know, they were asked by their white friends, what can we do to support you? And the article was basically said, here's the thing, read, research, understand that racism is systemic in this country and globally, understand the roots of it, understand where it comes from and, and research and read and think, don't necessarily speak. Don't try to say that you understand or that you can relate because you can't. And, and that's what I'm admitting to here. I can't, I can't relate. And it also said, you know, don't. Don't speak up unless you have sat and read and processed, which is what I tried to do here. I'm not saying that I know one way or the other, but what I'm saying is, is there are there is historical evidence of systemic, politically motivated racism and economically motivated racism in this country and globally, and it hasn't gone away. And then the other thing that it said to do, and this is one that really struck with me and I really liked it is 
this notion of that, oh, everybody should be colorblind, that, that color shouldn't matter, that race shouldn't matter, that it should all be, you know, that we, we shouldn't see color race. Well, yes, we should. Because if you refuse to, if you want to be colorblind, that means you forget your history. That means you forget how others were oppressed based on their color of their skin, based on their beliefs, based on stupid constructs of the concept that differences make a person inferior or superior, that being white automatically makes you superior, that being, you know, one religion over the other makes you superior or inferior. These are constructs. They're bullshit. But you can't be blind to it. You can't be blind to the fact that this happened and that it existed because when you were blind to it, you forget it and it happens again. So learn from your history and to, to those out there who are, who are black, who are white, who are any color, any race, any creed, any sexual orientation, any gender that you want to be, fight the good fight. Keep going on. I hope and pray this will get better. And from my little corner of the world here, I will do what I can to, to make it better. I will, as the gold quote says, I will be the change I wish to see in others. May we all try to learn about each other. May we all care about each other. May we all love each other. And as Bill and Ted say, may we all be excellent to each other. And on the other side of this, hopefully we can make it right. And hopefully we can find some peace. Thank you all. We'll see you next week.